So it was Patty's birthday yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd that, what did you guys do? Uh, she had to do, uh, she had to work late last night. Oh, those bastards. Um, after work, she went out to the gym. So I, I had called the gym and they had a big old happy birthday ready for her at the gym. Nice, dude. And then we went out, grabbed some food, and then went down to the neighbor's house. We're chatting with the neighbor. Yeah. Had a, had a glass of wine. and Cool. But we did get into this pretty interesting conversation about her, like, the neighbor and myself mentally are very similar. Yeah. And Patty and uh, her spouse, you know, are very similar mentally, yeah. like, just with the way we approach things and organizations and, you know, being two different people in these relationships. It was kind of a you know, fun, interesting conversation about the brain and how people tend to just do things not out of necessarily to do them to irritate people just the way people are wired sometimes well it's uh knowing that most of the actions you you take most of your thoughts and most of your decisions and when i say most like 95 percent ish plus are uh guided by your unconscious yeah, it's, it's just it's learned, not, it's learned behavior that well, it's your not body's even, just reacting and yeah, it's just not doing even without that even thinking about it. It's not even learned. Yes, it's, um, you know, you, your brain takes in 100% of everything. So through your senses, your brain, electrical impulses through your nerve centers, takes in everything. You just can't recall it. Some people can recall things better than others in different sensory inputs, but overall, everything goes in in a very small, tiny, tiny fraction of a percent is able to be recollected or actually used in a conscious decision or conversation. All the rest of it is unconsciously done. Right. That's why commercials work so well. That's why when you go into marketing and advertising, you're going to basically take a psychology major so you learn how to attack the subconscious. Right, and they do that very well with... Well, it's a science. With, it, yeah. it is, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they basically, you know, not every per, every person is exactly the same and acts exactly the same from the same input, but everybody basically gets the same input when they watch a television show and go through the commercials or read the ads. You get the same input, and it works on your unconscious. A lot of there's a lot of stuff we don't know is going on there. You know, archetypes and how do we register these? archetypes what do they mean to us individually hey hang on one second i got a, a, big, a big hankering for a pepsi cola right now <laughs> hold on freud called he wants his conversation back hang on i need to, i need to go get a pepsi hang on a minute um, coke got caught so many times with the subliminal stuff and um allegedly they outlawed it but it's it's out there like crazy uh they outlawed it and then they re re-allowed it and that's just you as a human being you know sitting on your couch or not even sitting on your couch just being in your house and the television's on Diddy like your it. your brain is going to absorb that somehow mm-hmm. right? oh like, yeah, be, yeah because yeah. there's so much stimuli coming in well they're just because every stimuli coming in is absorbed every right. single one through your five senses and there you are focused on just 
washing the dishes or well, whatever you, you're yeah, doing. Yeah, but you, but it, you're being stimulated by by all this stuff. Well, you're you're it recording is going on around you. You're recording. I don't know if you're stimulated so much as you're recorded. You're recording it. That's all you know. This machine is. If you, I shouldn't say that's all, but it's a major portion of it. And it's, it's, it's amazing how you can be on a scuba dive, mm-hmm. and you've got the whole world going on around you, but all you can see is your computer blinking, 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 blinking. Well, it's also a survival mechanism in the human brain. Like you can't be focused on the infinite amount of uh, input going in because you won't be able to function. Right. So we we are able to focus on the job at hand. Meanwhile, subconsciously, everything else is still being recorded. But you're consciously focused on especially the job at hand. if you get spooked about something like Yeah. Like like why why is my computer flashing? Well, I think that t- that is uh Again, a, a mechanism of survival for us that it works, I'm sure, with the fight or flight kind of response where you're going to focus in on the task at hand to save your life or what you believe is going to save your life. Yeah, because when those, you know, primal fears pop up of death, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> breathing gonna underwater, I can't. Oh, do shit, it. <laughs> I gotta remember, don't forget to breathe. Don't forget to breathe. Oh, no. My ears are squeezing. I'm yeah. sinking. But yeah, a lot of stuff's ha- happening underwater that is going to steal that focus and awareness and really f- force you to fixate. Exactly. The, the laser beam focus, although it's a survival mechanism, it can also, it's a double-edged sword. It can also be the uh, mechanism that allows you to not pay attention to something you needed to. In other words, that situational awareness goes from you know, that broad, wide-angled, down to this minuscule little little focusable uh, aspect of the dive, and you get lost in that focusable aspect. And now, meanwhile, your partner's floating away, you know. Right, yeah, especially uh, underwater, this is, a, is an issue because we're not in an environment that our human body has evolved <laughs> to... Uh, to work well in right we no matter what's going on we have to remember that we have to safely get back to the surface and control buoyancy in the process and if you're eating up brain brain space and 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 data just focusing on tweaking your buoyancy and tweaking your breathing and tweaking your your swimming if you have to focus on that that's going to eat up so much more that you're going to lose even more of that big picture wide angle view right yeah yeah yeah, it's easy to do. I mean, we talk about it in simplified terms. It's, you know, you have an issue and you laser beam focus on one thing and forget the rest of the dive, which has to be monitored. You know, there's a there's a whole lot of things that need to be monitored while you're diving or be aware of. It's just like driving. We talk about it. You know, I mean, I used to lo- really like that analogy that it's like driving. You've got all that shit coming in at you. And if you focus, for example, on your speed limit, right on the speedometer, you're uh, driving you, in the other lane you before you know it. You can't see the environment you're driving through. And yeah. Exactly. But your mind eventually learns to juggle a number of operations and a number of input 
and comfortably do it. But you can still get drawn into that laser beam focus if something goes wrong. Welcome no. back to the uh, Big Brain Podcast, uh, everybody. <laughs> You're here with your Great Dive Podcast host, old Gray Matter Jamesy. And old, uh, there's there's Gray Matter and, there, and then there's something else in the brain and I can't remember. An old um, central nervous system Brando. <laughs> How about podcasting on the left side of the brain, brand? Oh, the right side of the brain. I want to be Pod- on the right side. You want to be on the right side? Yeah. The left side is the, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I could be. But that was the more uh, logical reasoning portion of the brain where the creative side is the right side. Which you wouldn't think so. You would think the right side would be the engineering for for whatever reason. But it's just like when you get a you have a stroke. I don't know if you know this. You probably do. So if you have a a stroke on a CVA, we call it in the medical field, a cerebral vascular accident. If you have it on the right side of the brain, your left arm and left leg will be paralyzed. But right. Correct. Correct, I should say. Correct. But on your face... Who's the, on third? <laughs> on your face, in, in other words, above your, your jaw, it, it, everything is affected on the same side of the brain that's affected because the nerves cross. I don't know if you can see that. The nerves yeah. cross sides, uh, the back, in your neck region, cervical neck region. I can't remember exactly. I would have brushed up on this. Well, hey, I have a dive training magazine here in my hand. So just a couple of years ago, 2019, um, I, I've wanted to get into this for a while. And it's been sitting on my desk. It's titled The Color of Fear, written by a Robert Rossier, where the gray matter meets the deep blue. Oh, so he starts this off uh, pretty uh, artsy and expressive using the right side of his brain when he says, I slip beneath the waves into the dark abyss of the sea. Strapped to my wrist is a technological marvel with perhaps more computing power than carried early astronauts into space. Throughout my dive, it will monitor the smallest excursions in depth, the decline of my cylinder's pressure, and the constant flow of time. With this data, it calculates the theoretical absorption and release of nitrogen from various tissue types in my body to maintain a hedge against the onset of decompression illness. It lets me know at any given moment how long I can remain underwater and how long my gas supply will last. Robert says, what my dive computer cannot hope to know is my mental state. It has no concept of how I perceive my surroundings, the risks and hazards, real or imagined, that lurk in these depths. It has no idea what I might conjecture lies beyond the beam of my dive light, For this, I have my own personal computer of sorts, a mass of gray matter 
a powerful, neutral network dedicated to my survival, but powered by curiosity. As computers go, it is highly fallible, relying on biochemical reactions, sensory input, and complex algorithms beyond my rational understanding. Still, it is the best tool for survival in the sea. All I need to do is learn how to use it effectively. That's all. That's all, folks. Uh, well, you just ba- basically summed up the whole fucking purpose of life. Uh, yeah, you're here to learn how to use your, your brain effectively, which we're failing as a species. <laughs> failed. Not failing, <laughs> failed. It's over. <laughs> We failed. Wait, wait, wait. You've, you've got the right side of the brain. You know, we're all this, you know, intuition and creativity and imagination is. The left side of that brain where all your science and logic and Reasons. language and numbers is. And there's that little area. Is, is that in that middle right there? Is, is there any hope left in there? Randall? There's no, there, there's the corpus callosum is, is in the middle, if I'm not mistaken. And that's, is that where the hope is that where the hope for humanity lies? This podcast could get way too deep because when you start talking about the mind and the brain, well, are, is the mind the brain? Uh, are you basically just your, your thoughts? That is a probability because this is kind of a long article too. So mm-hmm. this, this might get long-winded. Yeah, we're going to have to, I'm going to keep myself shut down. From we engaging in a conversation. The, we might have to turn this into a two-parter. Uh-oh. Because our brains are going to be working <sighs> overtime. You know, your brain's one of your most important organs, Brandon. <laughs> I, I, that, that statement right there is like, well, it is the most important. Without it, there's nothing. You do realize that. You can you can get an artificial heart. You can we can find ways to like cut your heart out of your body and pump blood, oxygenated blood to your tissues and exchange it with carbon dioxide. You know, exchange all the waste products for nutrients and whatnot. We can do that, but what we can't do is take a brain out and keep you. Well, I guess we can. I take that back. We can physically keep you alive, but you're consciously you're gone. We don't have a, a substitute brain. In other words. We do have sub- artificial hearts and livers and or kidneys, whatever. And again, you start you start knocking on the door of some deep, deep questions like, "What is consciousness?" And you know, science doesn't know. They haven't got a fucking clue. They don't even address it really. But they they dismiss it as a personal opinion. Like consciousness is just it just happens to be there with the operation of the brain, while really. Other animals aren't that self-aware. So where does that come from? Well, is that what part a, of the brain is that? Is that not like uh, almost everything in in the world today? Speaking of the world falling apart, where <laughs> everybody can think completely different ideas about stuff. It's not that. Well, the, here here's the thing. I mean, not to get into that, but there's one thing. There's there's ideas, and then there's reality. Okay, if you want to say the sky is purple or or plaid or whatever the fuck and you and you want to say that's my truth i don't think most most people like whatever you're a fucking nut job that's cool 
but to impose it on the rest of the world, to make everyone else say the sky is plaid as well. When basically the input into our brains says uh, that's just not true. So to make you force you to believe what you know is untrue is really a, a kind of a torture. It's a brainwashing. And with that, uh, the Great Dive Podcast is done. <laughs> um, Mike, our only listener, are you still out there? <laughs> is he the only guy left? No, my, Mike's getting a coffee. <laughs> well, hey, you know, speaking of brainwashing, you know what other very important organ you have that you should wash from time to time, Brandon? Uh, I have no idea. Your manhood organ. <laughs> and you better be manscaping that thing. Oh, agreed. Maybe you should be manscaping your brain from time to time, too, people. And by doing that, I mean, you know, putting some deep philosophical thought into these inputs that you're accessing on a daily basis and not just accept what the, the TV box is giving you. Critically think about it a little bit. And while you're manscaping your brain... You can also manscape your manhood to get ready for that dive you got coming up this weekend. You have to put that little uh, condom catheter on and, and hook up that P-valve for that nice, long, deep dive you're about to do in that dry suit. You're going to have to whip out your old lawnmower 4.0. Well, I wouldn't do – I would say when you're doing one, just do do it solely. Don't, don't do it while you're watching the idiot box. In other words – Wait, wait, you mean don't don't use your don't 4.0 use. trimmer on yourself while you're uh, watching the TV box? You yeah. should be focused. Yeah, because uh, I mean, that, that lawnmower 4.0 has got that really, really fancy ceramic blade that is pretty powerful. It, although the, although the, that trimmer is one of the best engineered and safest ones I've ever seen. I mean, on a, the market. A couple of the ones I've used in the past. You, forget uh, about it. You could, you could, uh, yeah, forget about it. You could make yourself a couple inches shorter pretty quick, if you know what I mean. I used a rusty old jackknife once. That, my garden shears. Well, you should have been using your 4.0. It's a total well, game changer. Well, goddamn right. It's a game changer. <laughs> James. <laughs> Did you know these two organs are intricately connected? The the penis and the brain? <laughs> So, so, I've and known, some I've they known actually... that since I was about 14 years old, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, in most men, it's difficult to tell which one is doing most of the thinking and or more important. I, I think for most of us, it's not difficult to tell and, well, most of the time. Yes, it's a battle. It's typically a battle. But at the end of the day, you want it to look good. Dare I say, you better look good. The lawnmower 4.0, I would say, is the the greatest trimmer of all time out there of all time. And um, you know what they say: your balls will thank you for this. <laughs> you know, before I went to bed last night, I gave a couple squirts of the old crop preserver ball deodorant. You know, down there. Interesting. Before, before bed, you know. Get, that way, you know, when I woke up this morning, you know, my wife was like. You look young and fresh <laughs> and and happy and, and alive this morning. Well, was she I talking to your face at the time, or was she talking to uh, some the, the nether regions? Well, you know, when you start using that crop 
preserver. Let they me tell you. They can't keep your paws off. They can't keep their hands your, off you, man. Your hygiene routine is going to change. You're going you're to become a fan. <laughs> All right, Great Dive Podcast listeners, it's time to take care of yourself, too. So go to manscaped.com, get your 20% off and your free shipping with the code TGDP, people. Use it. You'll appreciate it. 20% off. Yeah. I'm still, they, I'm I mean, still uh, astounded. We're, we're building an army of scuba diving manscaped uners. Scuba diving units. manscaped <laughs> users. Oh. <laughs> Male or and units. female. Well, definitely. You should bring the... Uh, it, this is not a... Um, we are not a genderist podcast. We are equal for, for all genders. Manscaped is usable by all genders. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs care. to clean up. We're, we're one of the unique niches of, of sport and recreation that requires the use of a device like this lawnmower 4.0. Us in volleyball, girls volleyball. <laughs> Do you see those shorts? Holy oh, cow, how do they get away with that? It's a, called a uniform, Brandon. It's, uh, <laughs> these are, these I guess are, you were on the board. These are scientifically what? designed uniforms for aerodynamics. Here we go how with you science. Gonna, <laughs> how are you going to spike the ball in baggy shorts? So science is being used to, to justify these, <laughs> these skin-tight, high-cut shorts. Yes, that and if you're scuba diving, you're going to probably... You know, throwing on some nice little uh, swim briefs under your wetsuit. You know, when you, when you pull that wetsuit off, you don't want to look like the woolly mammoth down there. You got to be all cleaned up, which is why I say go over to Manscaped, get your. The Lawnmower 4.0. Yeah, get that performance package 4.0. That's got all the good stuff in it, man. It, it's a game changer. Your, uh, your nether regions will thank you, and, and maybe your intimate partner will thank you as well get 20 percent off again free shipping insert code tgdp at manscaped.com hey unlock your confidence and always like we said last week use the right tools for the job with manscaped and speaking of trimming your most prized <laughs> organ brando let's get back to uh this other organ, the the lesser important one, the brain. <laughs> Robert gives us some basics about the brain. Kind of like what you were talking about a little bit earlier, right? Mm -hmm. He says the human brain is an enigma. I know you like that word, enigma. I like an enigma wrapped in a riddle surrounded by a mystery. <laughs> but That does describe <laughs> you very well. <laughs> Although it might appear to the untrained eye as an amorphous mass of gray, it is a highly specialized organ comprised of multiple parts that serve specific functions. And he goes on to you know, describe that it, you know, the human brain is actually three brains kind of wrapped all up in one. The oldest one being that lizard brain, that reptilian mind, right? The base of which, at your brain stem, is what's controlling all of your core functions as a human. Sleeping and waking up and your heartbeat and your breathing. And he mentions John Medina, who is a biologist and author of a book called Brain Rules, 
says that uh, this part of the brain, most of its functions involve what some researchers call the four Fs, fighting, feeding, fleeing, and um, reproductive behavior. (laughs) Major impulse for life. Which is the connection uh, that we were just talking about for your manscaping. Bingo. It's all connected, James. Manscaped, an essential element to life. He says the mammalian brain has several integral parts that play into the overall role of survival. One is the amygdala, which is responsible for emotions and the memories they create. It is what allows us to feel rage and pleasure and fear. And the hippocampus is another integral part of the mammalian brain that captures short-term memories into more long-lasting forms. And then there's the thalamus, considered the control tower for the senses, connecting, processing, and routing sensory information from all of the far-reaching corners of our senses. And then lastly, he says, the third brain is the human brain or the cortex, which is folded up in the layers on the top of the brainstem and the mammalian brain. We might think of this as the circuit board for human thought with a highly complex network of some 14 to 16 billion neurons, neural connections that function both in conscious and unconscious thought. And this is controlling things like our language and speech and uh, vision and memory, basically where we start thinking, right, and uh, reasoning and what we would call using our brain, right? Yeah, but we're using it all the time, but consciously using it. Yeah, and uh, the pondering. Th- yeah, and all these different parts of our brain work together so that we can typically make it through the day, right? So that we can think about the. I don't know, the, the, the traffic light changing colors and, you know, not pull out in you know front of the semi-truck that's, like, going 50 miles an hour down the road. You know, we, we've got those senses using our brain so we can think and stay safe and stay alive and get through the day and converse with others. And That's why you have memory, too. I mean, what you just described there is purely memory and learned behavior. But yes. And although these different parts of the brain are typically working together, sometimes, Robert mentions, they can be at odds with each other. Most notably is when we experience that complex emotion that we call fear. Yeah, I think it causes a, uh, what's the word? A short circuit in the smooth flow of a uh, thought. But if you can if you can learn to consciously control that, uh, well, it could save your life. Well, that's kind of what it's designed for, right? I mean, fear is supposed to heighten those senses and slow the world down for you for mm. that very thing of of uh, self preservation. But what fear often does is give it doesn't slow things down. You instantaneously react. You become uh, very reactive versus thoughtful, and that's from those. I, 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 yeah, I I would agree. Like uh, so, our responses. our lives, you know, as humans over the last 
number of years has taken it from you know a, a core base of having a primal fear to heighten your awareness to all the anxieties and stresses of our world today certainly can do kind of what you're saying of, of getting lost in those fears. Well, I don't even know if it's so much you're, you're lost. It's just the fight or flight kicks in and the input is obviously it's, it's too much and panic. Panic is the result. Yeah, so Robert gives us a couple of different types of fear. Well, let me ask you, does, is there a definition of what panic is as a result of fear? Yeah, I, w- I would think that is where, you know, that stimuli hits your brain. Your sympathetic nervous system takes over. That's that fight or flight kicking in. And if you don't have, <clears throat> you know, an experience base to draw from to rationalize it, and you, you're stuck in that well, you, flight panic mode, that, that's a bad place to be. Yeah, an instinctive response versus a thought-out response. Uh, again, well, fear, panic is defined as sudden uncontrollable fear or anxiety, often causing wildly unthinking behavior. Okay, so the key word there is it's unthinking and it's, it's reactive and it's from that instinct of fight or flight versus a thought-out re- response to a known or perceived deadly situation, right? Right, yeah. Or because I mean, that's, that's basically what we have. Like we, the, These fears are of, of something's going to occur that is going to get in the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to get in the way. It's going to threaten my continuing... Right. To live and exist, right? Well, the, the thing, too, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be a real threat. It could be a perceived threat. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. He gives us five basic primal fears that all other fears basically stem from. The, five, the first one being the fear death. of extinction. Death. Yeah. I think they all relate to death, though. And in other words, it's self-preservation is, is the whole idea behind it, but... Aren't they all, like, equals dead? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of that for a lot of new divers getting into scuba, right? There's the fear of running out of air. There's Mm -hmm. a fear of, you know... You know, plummeting sharks into the abyss. The the fear of the sharks. Absolutely. Uh, The You know, the fear of, you know, uh, exploding decompression sickness and lungs exploding on the way to the surface. There's a, a ton of fears of extinction that can occur for a new diver that hasn't had a ton of training yet and hasn't really found, you know, a comfort and confidence in the water that they're in. Fear of pain from taking off your condom catheter and you didn't manscape. One of the most <laughs> primal primal fears <laughs> in a man's existence. Or a woman's existence. If she's got you know, the she pee on. We got to include everybody, Jamesy. Well, that would be the next fear, which is the fear of mutilation. Yeah, I guess that's not necessarily uh, death per no, but, se, but, but it's pain. It's pain discomfort. And pain severe. and disfigurement and, yeah. and breaking in body parts and or losing function of body parts. 
which I, th- which I believe is ultimately the, um, you know, survivability, survival, fear of not being able to survive, which is back to the original extinction. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, this is, you know, fears of being, you know, attacked by the the fish, attacked <laughs> by the shark, the Loch Ness monster. Fear. Uh, you know, fear of the boat propeller ripping you to shreds on the surface when the boat gets too close. You know, these are other fears that can, I don't want to say infect the brain, can but manifest though. Yeah, manifest. Mm-hmm. He says another primal fear is that of losing our autonomy, being immobilized or paralyzed. Or prisoned. Yes, loss of freedom. Yeah, being unable to move. Move uh, or yeah. cry out for help or you know, just being trapped. He says here again some aspects of diving, such as severe decompression illness, can evoke such a primal fear. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I mean, with diving, when you think just think about that that fear, that fear of imprisonment or restriction of freedom, when you're talking about um, decompression, for example, you know whether you're you're decompressing in the water, knowing that you can't go up, does that play on your mind ever, James? Knowing like you can't go up, you can't go to the surface, you can't go home right now, and basically you are there till. Until you're done decompressing, right? I've had this conversation with people. Yeah, before they'll say, "Well, you, I mean, you can go up," and I There's go, "No, severe consequences." No, yeah, yeah. You, I you could can't. jump into the propeller of an airplane too. I, I could do that, uh, but there's severe consequences. Severe it, consequences, right? Yeah. So uh, it, I, I get it, and that's why I, I really liked this article is because I know so many people. I mean, my wife being one of them, and she was one, you know, that when her and I first started diving together, you know, we had this very conversation of, mm. you know, if she would get spooked, I was like, you can't just go up. It's like, well, no, well, I, I needed to go up. Like, you you got to erase that from your brain that's if you're going to be a happening. diver. That's mm-hmm. not happening. Right. And it, and I think it's even amplified more so when you start to go into uh, uh, actual overhead, not a virtual overhead, but an actual overhead f- like a cave. A cave, I think it's very highly amplified that that I can't go home. I, like if I want this dive to be over, I can't just go, okay, it's done, and then and then leave. There's a whole length of cave you have to get out. <laughs> you have to go through to get out. Now, I 100% agree with you there. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like the mental, the mental awareness and, um, you know, the self-control that you need to have to do an environment like a cave dive. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I don't think this discussion should be reserved for someone who wants to get into overhead. because Not at all. Not is at all. is yeah. this not like, uh, and this is a contention, I would say, with a lot of the scuba training out there, is there is the... You can always bail to the surface mentality. Exactly. Is the that's wrong what I'm getting at. To, that's the wrong way to set somebody up mm-hmm. for going underwater. Like the, the better thing to do is to take the time to understand what your brain is, is potentially going to go through in a situation and know that no matter how bad it gets, you need to have done the proper planning ahead of time. And training. When, when the shit hits the fan, that's when you need your brain the most because you still got the whole entire dive to finish. Right. 
Well, exactly. That's why you can't let panic take over. You can't let the uh, unthinking behavior and, and just become reactive. What you need to do is have trained, trained to uh, that the right processes will be more instinctual. This this article really hits when you get into it. Really hits on all of the things we talk about uh, in in good training, which is. Training that instinct to panic and bolt, training that out of you. And that only comes from overtraining uh, responses to problems, right? And knowing, James, and I used to say this, you know, almost at the beginning of every class, is there's no way I can prepare you as a diver for every and any situation you may encounter. There's... There's just an infinite amount of possibilities you can encounter underwater <laughs> during a dive, right? Right, 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 right. And I can't train you for every single one, but what I can help you do is create a mindset and a, um, a skill set that allows you to not panic for the most part. And if the, you do feel that panic coming in, most of the responses that uh, would be needed in an emergency are overlearned to the point like you would do them unconsciously. For example, you know, clearing the mask, sharing gas, staying at, you know, proper buoyancy, having your buoyancy in, in control, in other words, all the time. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, I mean, that stuff is core critical behavior. If you have scuba equipment on, Mm-hmm. underwater regardless of depth in exactly my, in, in my opinion like that is that needs to be natural instinctive there you go it, it, it can't even in my opinion like that can't even be so good that it's second nature it's got to be better than second nature it has to be instinctive because if it's second nature that means it's gonna first nature take, it's, <laughs> yeah it's gonna have to take thought to get there yeah. and when you're in a situation you don't have time to think it's got to come out of you. It's got to be your natural response is to never bail to the surface in, in a panic because things get uncomfortable. It's never not control your buoyancy when you're in the somewhere right. in the water column. It's got to be that is just the natural state of your being in trim, in balance, in control of yourself 100% of the time. When that is is natural, then you're ready to build upon your diving experience. Exactly. And that's when you start to learn the, you know, more what's advanced techniques of diving. But until then, get yourself set up so that in a problem or a perceived threat or a real threat situation, you are not going to unthink, do the unthinkable, right? Do do that panic, which means unthinking behavior. You're not going to do that. That and if you aren't able to think, everything's instinctual. The reaction. I mean, could you imagine wanting to go hiking through the Smoky Mountains, uh, taking pictures of birds, uh, but you don't know how to walk on flat pavement yet? Yeah. <laughs> right? And then now you're going to go on trails and climbing over rocks and boulders, and yeah. you keep falling over every five seconds and crashing to the bottom. You got mud caked into your camera lens, and you wonder why you can't get any good pictures. Exactly. You don't have that core requirement to go hiking through the forest and the mountains, which is just walking in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that is buoyancy, balance, 
trim, trim. water mm-hmm. is your ability to be in that completely new three-dimensional world. Right. And that takes a training of the brain. It takes an overtraining of, of practices and skills and a, a training of the brain into the, the mindset that I am not going to bolt to the surface. Yeah, and the, the cool thing about scuba is, I, I think in a lot of ways, it, it really addresses both sides of the brain because of that three-dimensional world that we're in, right? I mean, if you're going to, you know, just really, really focus on, you know, getting good at math and calculus and algebra, you know, you're training, you know, one side of your brain, you're training that left side of your brain, and if you're really getting into painting watercolors you know you're getting lost in that right side arty side of the of of the brain but something like scuba has got a little bit of both right there's there's that analytical part of the, the the physical skills that you need to have but then again there's also that intuitive creative artsy side in the water as well Absolutely. I, uh, I mean, I couldn't agree more. That's one of the attractions to me of, of diving is it uses the whole brain, the thought, the, the rational, logic, conscious, scientific thought side and the imaginary, emotional feeling side and, and interpretation of beauty and, and that sensation, you know, the floating sensation, which I would, I would put that in that that imaginary lofty side of the brain scuba is one of those things that's unique right different from doing uh sudoku puzzles where you're using the left side of your brain or you know painting where you're using the right side of your brain you know scuba you need to have that analytical side of being precise in your skills uh your technique of you know buoyancy control and finning and propulsion but you also need that creative side of being a good teammate you know seeing the big picture of the dive enjoying the beauty you know it's it uses both sides of the brain differently than like what a lot of recreation you know like terrestrial you know recreations would require uh yeah i mean it's a lot to me it's a uh and and you would you would agree i'm pretty sure it's uh, martial art-esque in that sense because I believe the mar- martial art is exactly the same in that respect. I think you're 100% right, right? Because there is, you know, a, a big difference between learning the technique of a punch, the, the mechanics of a kick, mm-hmm. and then there is a completely uh, creative, imaginative, artsy dance to an actual fight well, there's an, a dance there's a feel yeah. to it there's a feel yeah. and that's i mean dancing is another one it's uh the I mean, interpretation get, of the music right yeah i mean you can sit there and learn every you know physical attacking defending technique but it doesn't mean you can put it together into the flow of utilizing it in a battle yes and I, I guess that's, that's a, where that's you know, where the matrix like a lot of things. that's where the matrix is false. That's where the movie The Matrix is completely made up. It's where they could just input that into their brain, and all of a sudden they were masters. That's just the data. You just got the technical data input into your brain, into the left side of the brain. Exactly. Correct, yeah. It's the that creativity, the feel is, and the feel. Yeah, that's that's 
that's where it comes out of you. And, and, you know, thinking about it now, you know, there are more things because music's another one. Like you can learn every note in every scale, but it doesn't mean you can make beautiful music. <laughs> right? You're, you're right. And, and, you can and copy, so, but you can't scuba, create. Yeah, and, and scuba is like that, that it, it, it takes both sides of that brain to dance together to and be I think, a real pretty diver. I think that's the, the human aspect of, of all of these endeavors that we, we've been talking about is the creativity, that that right side of the brain, the creative side that, A, you don't see it in um, in any other creature, really, the ability to create, and that comes from imagination and emotion. We are lucky enough to have an emotional intelligence, but that also, you know, brings us back to a couple more of these primal fears that Robert gave us. You know, the fourth one is the fear of separation, right? Being isolated, alone, rejected, or disconnected. You know, getting, I think that goes back to survivability, though, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, being you know being lost in the woods or being lost underwater or getting trapped out at sea and, you know, not having a way home. I mean, those are real potential fears for you know somebody looking to go scuba diving on the other hand i mean there are those of us who who um not only don't fear it we love the isolation like crave it and i know you know some would argue yeah it's only temporary i mean you don't want it forever yeah and maybe i don't know when when I listened to a, a speech from the White House on CNN or something, I want it forever. Actually, to, to be I, I don't forever. ever want to have to deal with that again. <laughs> the last primal fear that he gives us is the fear of ego death, becoming humiliated, shamed, ridiculed, or mocked. He says. That's a big fear, I think, uh, in today's society because we've removed essential threats, all those other threats. We've basically removed them. We've made life so comfortable that they're easily removed. But the one threat that has increased is the threat of being shamed or cut off or ridiculed or laughed at. You know, that's where that, that... fear of public speaking really comes from which is right. the number one yep, fear exactly right? yep exactly um and and you know for a diver i mean especially in today's world of you know facebook groups and and memes and and some of the the hatred you see online where it's so easy to ridicule somebody from behind a computer screen and that's and, what i like about it it's just so easy <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding it's a comedian that's in that yeah yeah, James, you're right. Not to interrupt you. I'm sorry, brother. Go on. Which is a fear that, you know, people getting into diving can certainly have. And Robert mentions that, you know, this can easily backfire with respect to survival, leading us to go beyond our personal limits and put ourselves at undue risk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, based off specifically off of that ego. Yeah, that's in which is an emotional response or to a perceived threat or or whatnot so yeah you'll do something that can put you in greater danger 
just to uh, keep you from um, suffering any embarrassment, you know, right. ego it, death, it, in other words. It, it, yeah, you're going to embarrass yourself so that you don't suffer embarrassment. Right. Or, right. I mean, it, it, it's, that's it's where the a, whole... It's oxymoron in ways. That's where the whole dare thing, I think, you know, where someone will dare the other person to do something known, a known dangerous uh, activity. They'll dare them to do it. And the person will take the dare simply because they don't want, they believe that it's perceived if they don't take it, they're, you know, scared, whatever, they're, they're, their ego is threatened. Right. So the ego, actually, James, I mean, you. this is one of the things I really enjoy about um, Buddhism is they really address the problems of the ego, how the ego basically drives most of us in our daily activities. It's, they're almost all ego-driven. I don't want to look bad, you know? Yeah, don't, not wanting to look bad in, in front of your peers, man, that, that it's really, if that's your driving force for getting in the water or really doing anything you're at a disadvantage well and when we're talking diving especially when you get into you know technical diving deep diving cave diving there's a lot of chest thumping going on out there there's a lot of ego to be had in the diving community oh uh, you j- just go stand around the uh, the dive site of, of and listen any, to them of, where any of the big dives occur Absolutely. Or just go online well, on, on any of these uh, Facebook groups yeah. where everybody's just beating, thumping their chests, right? Which puts a lot of people like in a, you know, in, in a place where like, well, if I don't do it, I'm a loser and I'm a nobody. So, so they put themselves in a place where they don't yet belong. All out of fear. And this is, and it's a subtle, it's a subtle panic, I think. It's not a... You know, it's not the idea of panic like you get when we talk about you know, run out of gas underwater panic, right? It's Absolutely, a, yeah, I'm, it, with, I'm with you. It's subtle, it's slower, but it can be the cause of that kind of panic because you're, you're going – usually that ego issue is you're, you're, your ego wrote a check that your body can't cash kind of saying, you know? Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. You, you, you went way past your abilities, because you didn't want to be, quote unquote, embarrassed. You didn't want to suffer that, that ego death, that ego insult. And so you went and put yourself in a predicament that you don't know how to handle, you know, should something go wrong. Right. Your mind, which should, you know, keep you from doing these stupid things, is putting <laughs> yourself just, you know, not the other people. It's not the other people. Yeah. It's your reaction to those other people putting you in this panicking potential for panicking situation which is where this article is getting ready to go um but i think we're gonna have to split this into into two brando because well before we do go yeah before we we're not done yet but it's yeah this is gonna be big and we're already approaching an hour here so oh absolutely when you're talking about the brain depending on whose brain you're talking about it's gonna need a couple episodes (laughs) <laughs> depending on whose brain you're talking about and because you're because you consciously tuned into the great dive podcast we're you're assuming. probably going to need a couple episodes yeah we're assuming you're up there you're up there in the at least two or more episodes on on the brain but that you know back to the ego thing real quick because things occur to me is 
you know, we're talking about genders and whatnot, we, and we make light of it. But there, you know, there is masculine and feminine. That's just a law of the universe, whatever. It's a law of, of existence, male and female. Do you think males have b- bigger egos than females? And I'll argue with you when you give me the answer. I don't think they have bigger ones. Oh, okay. I Never don't, mind. I don't. I, I won't think, argue with you. No, no, Because no, no, I was yeah, waiting yeah. for you to go, oh, men's egos huge. Uh, I know a lot of women with big egos. Okay, and what I would they, say their is... Their names will remain nameless <laughs> for the <laughs> preservation of my my own self, self-worth self and my own ego death and my other primal fears of extinction and mutilation. Right. But, yeah, no, I, I think I, I think it's a... Ego is a human condition. I don't think it's Thank you. male or female. It isn't. It I isn't. It's, and it's, it's both. But the, the male ego is filled with masculine, and the female ego is filled with feminine as you know, fears, if you will. So our masculinity gets threatened. That's when we usually we act stupid. That you know, quote unquote, stupid. I I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Right. Versus when a woman's femininity is threatened, I think they are equally stupid. You know, it's just it's the perception of the threat that dictates how uh, the level of panic that you exhibit. Well, yeah, and I think that's what learning about the human mind is going to help anybody just navigate life, let alone navigating a scuba dive. Right. To, to, to be able to understand your brain and to think that you, you're not reacting on, on ego fears uh, and the, any of these primal fears on a regular basis is foolish. It is foolish. To, to understand that these primal fears exist in the human psyche, whether you want them to or not, and it's how you react to them is where the situation goes to the right or to the left. Exactly. I mean, I couldn't have said that. That's that's awesome. Uh, the the threats and fears, are, as a human, we have the same ones. It's basically how do we interpret them? How do we interpret that threat and how do we behave in the face of that threat and do and and being underwater as divers we obviously have a couple different threats we have basic we're susceptible to any of those perceived those fears that you listed i believe as divers yeah right survivability being isolated uh the ego death and being maimed or, or damaged in some way those fears those those uh, instinctive fears that we're born with, they are easily manifested in in any given dive or any given situation concerning diving. I, I think there there's so many variables that could enter a scuba dive, even doing the most basic and routine dive that you've done a thousand times over again. There are so many potentials for variables that any dive at any given moment could inflict something that, that, that triggers this. Here's a fear that I've had in the past, and it's kind of a – so I, I, I have changed my behavior to, to address this fear. So, so walking from my car to get onto a charter boat with my twins on my back, I'm in just my civilian clothes, I don't have any – so I would just grab them, walk, throw them on my back, and walk onto the boat, right? The idea of slipping off the dock 
falling in the water with with uh, all my gas turned off and everything and and no no flotation whatsoever and just being plummeted to the bottom with the, this thing strapped on your back and then I have this idea like I wouldn't be able to get out of it or I wouldn't be able to reach reach my valves which I can and I know I could but the fear and it's irrational a little bit but like okay it would be really and 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 here's the thing I worry about my ego it would be really bad for my <laughs> my reputation if I if I died in 10 feet of water at the dock <laughs> uh, uh, dude this is i mean this is this is it right here i mean this is this is the reality of mm. of what we're talking about i mean right I mean, that's a, that's not an irrational fear that's a totally well possible yeah. situation that could occur which now like but but you're reacting to it in a way you know you could either go this is why I quit diving because I could not get over <laughs> that emotional fear of getting walking. on and off the boat, walking, walking down the dock, right, with, with my gear on. I saw a guy, you know, this was about 10, 15 years ago, who did that very thing. Mm-hmm. Had a set of doubles on, hit the dock, his foot went out from under him. I thought the guy broke his femur in half or or yeah. ripped his like leg right out of the hip socket. It was such a brutal violent fall yeah, yeah that that i mean it, it was horrific to see I mean, and he got up and limped limped home and you know was you know did he fall pain. in the water or just fall no no just oh. fell fell oh i've fallen the before the, yeah. the dock was you know the dock was wet slippery and slippery yeah. and you know he just you know just over the you know you know over the side of the boat onto those steps and hit that that main dock and, and went down which i would agree with you 100% because now like every time I'm getting off that boat I mean I am mm-hmm. hyper aware of my footing because I had oh, a situation yeah. in um, you know years ago I was still diving you know single tanks you know up in Alpena early one morning the 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 morning Michigan misty dew on the on that those wooden docks and I was walking down to the boat this time I was carrying you know two tanks in my hands and my foot hit a part of that dock and my you know I blew out a flip flop, as old Jimmy Buffett said. You oh know, yeah, uh, flip flops. Uh, everything, man. everything slipped, and I, I did the splits and went down. You know, mm-hmm. and, and felt like it a big embarrassing goofball. But it happens. It, I mean, stuff like that happens, and then like, yeah, now you've got uh, you got that me, little, yeah. uh, you know. PTSD trigger like floating around it's a in little your amig- whispering voice floating, up there uh, floating in your amygdala yeah you could you could die right now you could you could slip and snap a leg in half uh that and that thought goes through my head you know I've slipped I found landing f- on your tanks on the back you know just flat boom no pain nothing just but it's embarrassing oh very don't try to fight it in other words don't try to fight that fall just land let the weight carry you on your back I mean, I, I remember being up in uh, uh, Monterey years ago, and we were doing, uh, you know, some training dives from shore at Breakwater there. Mm-hmm. And I'm used to the length of a set of twin 104s, right? but I'm using rental tanks I get out there, you know, first day. 95s. And, uh, I, you know, I get suited up. I'm in <laughs> yeah. high-pressure hundreds, so oh, they're a couple of inches short. tiny, but I, yeah. But I'm used to, you know, sitting sitting down and leaning back on the bench and yeah. then i'm also resting not just on my ass but also on the bottoms of, of the, the twins tanks, yeah that set of doubles is a couple of inches shorter <laughs> and i sit on the edge of this pier <laughs> and it, it dropped it dropped down another you know two three inches yeah and 
I, I thought I was going down. I, I thought yeah. I was going over that twenty foot drop off, like onto those rocks. It Dude. scared the hell out of me. Yeah, I don't blame you. That would so that have like, been a bad one. So then I, I I could never again just throw those mm-hmm. set of doubles on and just go sit down. I was I I became hyper aware of that stuff. Well, that's I mean that's learning right there. That's how we evolve, right? You have a near death or a near, a near miss and you were smart enough, intelligent enough to be able to foresee what could have happened. So you say consciously or subconsciously, you alter your behavior from now on. Robert says it is with this preloaded programming that we enter the world of diving. And while all this neuropsychological framework may be designed to enhance our survival, There are times when it can have a negative effect. What might be important is our ability to recognize the cognitive pathways into which these fears channel us and devise a means to bring our thoughts back from the abyss when they run amok. So you start to get into some pretty deep questions as far as we we call these primal fears because we're born with them. Don't know where they came from. Where did they come from, James? You're supposed to be a blank slate, but are you? You already have some programming. And where where did that come from? MTV for me. Oh, yeah. I want my MTV, baby. Back when it had music. Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, everybody. Uh, we are going to get into next week talking about more about panic and, and being on the edge of panic we're going to take a look at some stress factors ah! that, that, that we Sorry. deal with in diving and uh, <laughs> overcoming these fears and overcoming these anxieties. Uh, this is going to be a fun little two-parter. I'm looking forward to the end of this. This has been fun. So don't panic, people. We're coming back. Don't panic. We're not signing logbooks because we are coming back. No fear, people. The Great Dive Podcast will be back with the finishing episodes the conclusions, so we won't leave you hanging. Is that one of the the other fears of being left hanging? Not getting your Great Dive podcast uh, episode? It's the, the cliffhanger fear, yes. <laughs> the other primal fear is fear of ripping off your, your pubes with a condom catheter. Oh, that that is, uh, that is a pre- frontal cortex (laughs) (laughs) it's parasympathetic response that that goes right to the base of my amygdala right there reptilian (laughs) brain yeah uh so don't do that people go to uh manscape.com insert the code tgdp don't forget 20 percent off and free shipping when you put in code tgdp over at manscaped Get the right tool for your job, and your balls will thank you. Don't forget. Make us proud. Make yeah, us make proud, us, listener. Make us proud. You, you don't want to. We don't want these people to, at Manscaped to, to think that they picked the wrong podcast. <laughs> Get out there and uh, you gotta. You guys gotta order a couple things to make us look good. So help us out. Make us look good. And on that note, Brando, uh, let's close it off for today, and we'll uh, we'll continue this dive next week. Aye, aye, Cap. All right, everybody, talk to you next week. Same dive time, same dive channel. Whoa, whoa.